All right, how's work going for you? Does it all feel like it's real easy, like everything's just happening naturally, you're in the zone all the time, uh, getting all your to-dos done? No? Well, this is the show you need to watch today. We're going to talk about how to be successful, how to get in the zone, and make sure you stay in the zone because it just feels natural to you. Welcome to The Leadership. Welcome to The Leadership, a business-focused talk show brought to you by The Vested Group. We talk to entrepreneurs, employees, thought leaders, innovators, dreamers, disruptors, and even our own children about what makes us tick on and off the clock. Hey there, I'm Chris Johnson. I am a director of strategy with the Vesta Group and also host this little leadership show that uh, we get together and talk about uh, basically strengths, passions, how to be more successful. I'm here with Heidi Convery. And she is the founder of Flourish, which is a company that is focused on people helping find more success through strengths. Thanks okay. for joining us. Excited. Thanks. I we am. talk about every month uh, on the show. Yep. But I've never interviewed you. So I know. This is I'm, different. I'm very excited to be in the hot seat. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's going to get hot. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Wait. Okay. So anyway, um, so excited to be with you today. Today, we're going to talk about the process for finding out how to be successful at work. So as we go through this, you're gonna figure out that there is a process behind it, that it, it's not necessarily, a nat doesn't just happen naturally, you kind of have to learn some things along the way, mm -hmm. both about yourself and uh, have some input from some other people and some tools. So, um, so I wanna start off by asking, um, just asking the audience, you know, do you remember when you were young, what you wanted to be? Do you, know, do you remember what you were young? I Eight, wanted to be a writer. Two? A writer. I did. You're kind of a writer now. I am. And I distinctly remember those days of going to school on like, you know, occupation day or whatever that you're supposed to dress your part. And my mom and I racking our brains the night before of what do I dress to look like a writer? Like, what oh, do I yeah. wear? I mean, I have a really like distinct memory of it. Pencil in your ear kind of thing? Yeah, totally. Totally. Okay. I had glasses, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. I wanted to be a cowboy. Oh. Well, I don't mean a... I don't mean like a riding a horse cowboy. Oh. I want to be a Dallas cowboy. I grew up in Dallas, right? But I don't really have the DNA right. to ever be an NFL player. It just was not <laughs> in the cards for me. But, you know, when we were younger, what were we told? You could be anything. You could be anything. We're told to follow our heart. We were all Disney-fied, right? We were watching Disney, and they told you follow your star or your heart or whatever it was. But that doesn't always work out. You know, mm -hmm. I was never going to be a cowboy. It's kind of sad, I know. It is, I know. And uh, that's okay. That's okay. When you got to be 18, 20, what did your dad tell you to do? What was his advice for finding a job? Mm. I would say um, find something that pays you well. There you go. That's consistent. Yep. Yep. Real yep. world intervene. That's it. Said you got to make money. That's right. Go to college, get a job. That's yep. it. Yep. So were, were you a writer when you went to college? Um. Yeah, I've always kind of okay. dabbled on the side a little bit. Um, I, to be honest with you, I actually changed majors in college seven times. Wow. Which I feel like That's is pretty high record, amount, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Were you having a good time or not I, having a good time? No. Well, I was. But I had so <laughs> I many interests. Right. Okay. Right. So many interests. <laughs> so I would think, oh, I really want to, um, French ended up being my major. Okay. And I loved it. Um, so I did that for a little bit as major, but didn't want to teach. So I was like, oh, I don't really know what to do with it. You know what? I love watching the weather. I should be a meteorologist. And so That's I genius. would get into meteorology. Yeah. And I was like, this is really interesting. And then, oh, you know, I could, 
I don't know. I can't feel the physics. I'm not really sure. You know what? I really love marketing. Maybe I should get into marketing and business. And so I just kind of bounced and bounced and bounced um, and had a hard time because I think I was searching for the passion part, what I really wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, and then it would fall flat a little bit or I'd start to get into the deepness of some of the classes and be just kind of, yeah, maybe not. I don't know if this is me. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you're, it's like you read my notes. Because we're going to fall right into this. Like you're, Because we didn't talk about seven majors or anything in advance right. of this. This is kind of scary. Okay, so, so when we're younger, we're told, follow your heart. Mm-hmm. When it comes time to enter the real world, we're told, you need to make money. Because the real world says you need to make money. So both those messages, it turn out, turns out, are right. Correct. Both of them are right. But the problem is that they're, they're incomplete. Right. So I wanted to follow my heart and be a cowboy, but I was never going to be a cowboy. Uh, Rudy, no matter how passionate he was about Notre Dame. You remember Rudy? I totally remember. Okay. Rudy. So no matter what did he want? He wanted to play for Notre Dame no matter what. No matter what. Did he start for Notre Dame? I feel like <laughs> he didn't even see the field until the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yes, that's exactly right. So yep. no matter what, Rudy was never going to start for Notre Dame, but he was passionate. He was. Passion, follow your heart, but it's incomplete. Where the complete, the, the strength happens or where the, um, the success happens is when your passion meets your strengths. Mm-hmm. When you got the passion that meets the actual tool to be able to do it, that's where it meets your strengths. So we're going to talk about a little bit about how to find your passion, and then we're going to spend a lot of time talking about how to find your strengths and what you can do with them. So... Is your, <laughs> this is one of my questions, is your career related to the major yet in college? <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Seven. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just playing the odds, of course. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Surely one of the majors yeah. I had fit in with this. Um, indirectly, okay. yes, I think. So how did you discover which one? I mean, how did you find out? Which major or what I'm doing now? What you're doing now? Well, when you, what you graduated with, like your first job, how did you know that that was the right major for you once you got to it? So um, I was getting into the fourth year of college and you had to do something. I had to choose something. <laughs> um, and I was an RA in college, actually, a resident assistant in yeah. the residence halls. And I loved it. Um, and now it's kind of interesting. You know, I spent a lot of time as an RA mentoring the women who lived on my floor, um, helping them navigate issues and problems they were going through. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and I loved it. And I ended up finding out that that is actually a career field, um, student affairs and housing and residential life at, on college campuses. And the, that career field, um, you have to have a master's degree in okay. higher education. And so I decided I would just, I already had a major in French at that point because it had already always been a minor. So I thought I'll just stick with French so I can graduate and then go into a master's program uh, for higher ed. So I did and ended up starting the beginning of my career in student affairs in university. That's Um, pretty cool. It is. But it was, but to get there, you had to try things. All kinds of things. It was like an act of discovery. I think I want to do this, I'm going to try. I think I'm going to do this and try. I think I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. We always, um, when my daughters were growing up, uh, our kind of rule of thumb of what sport they were going to play or what activity, you can try anything. I don't care what it is, you can try anything. They tried it all. And they'd be like, oh, horse riding. That was fun <laughs> for camp. That was it. Yeah. Uh, oh, one of them loved soccer and really kind of stuck with it. One of them started in, did several things and eventually stuck in cheer. But they had to go through a, 
a discovery process mm -hmm. of trying things instead of just being sitting around thinking, oh, I think I love this. That's my passion. It's really, it's really just finding out, you know, kind of getting deep into it. Is that kind of what you experienced going through the majors? Very much so. I think um, I also, which, which I feel like this relates a lot to people that I uh, coach and have conversations with now. We have this set vision of um, what success is, right? And it has to include your passion on a daily, you know, basis with your job. And it has to include uh, major success in your role. And I just had a coaching conversation this morning with somebody who was talking about having a really hard time finding passion in her role. And um, it, it got it's funny that we're having this conversation because it does make me think back to this trial and error process that I had uh, in college and feeling like, I feel like I have passion in that and then starting it and then it feeling like I don't and then this must not be it. I can't be successful in this because I don't have passion and I don't feel it, you know? And we compare our passion in work to a passion in hobby or a passion in life, right? Like I love baking, love it. I've got to find a job where I have that same excitement for entering things on a spreadsheet as I do for baking a cake. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's not going to, your path to get to that same fulfillment won't be the same at work as it is in hobby. And once you realize that, that that path is different and that there are tools that you can use to make that path a lot easier, I think getting to the passion meets success in your business role um, is absolutely achievable. Right. Yeah. right. And there's not one way of approaching a role, is there? Not at all. It's not like if, if I'm a CFO, then I have to follow the CFO rules and I got to do it exactly the same way everybody else does it. Not at all. In fact, probably one of the most common questions that I get, um, especially from new clients, is can you look at my strengths uh, as a person and tell me what job I'm supposed to have? Like, what am I supposed to be doing, yeah. you know, based on my talent? And um, for sure, I think there's some strengths that we might have that are better suited for some different industries. You know, if mm -hmm. you are highly gifted in relational strengths, um, maybe sitting in a cubicle where you talk to nobody for eight hours a day might not be the best situation for you. Uh, but for the most part, you know, your strengths are, they're not the what you should be doing. They're the how you should be doing what you're doing, right? That's, that's your lens, that's your approach. Um, and so I really do believe that you can take many, I won't say all, but I think you can take many um, roles and many jobs and switch your perspective, figure out how to use your strengths in that role and create pockets of passion in there that you were really having a hard time doing. Pockets of passion. Did you just do that on the fly? I did do that. That was pretty good. <laughs> I <to> remember that. <laughs> Copyrighted? <laughs> yeah. Pockets of passion. Okay, now you got me off. Oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Thinking, that's I'm right. sorry. pockets of passion. <laughs> okay, so, so, so as we were talking earlier about kind of this concept about where your passion meets your strengths, that's, that's the core. That's where you ought to be. Um, one of the things we figured out was really interesting is the, the passion is the what. Mm -hmm. The strength is the how. So the how almost comes in and it shapes the what, right? So right. Um, I could love art, but I may produce terrible art. And no matter how much, how good I try to be or how many classes I take, I'm always going to produce terrible art. But 
I can yep. still be around the genre. I can still be around. I love talking about it. I don't love art, but I'm just saying <laughs> in general. Um, uh, or I could write about it. But I could right. still be kind of around the what, but have a different how. Is that kind of how you see people? Hugely, hugely. Um, we, I tend to stay away from and encourage others to stay away from um, individuals or thoughts, uh, kind of thoughts out there that say, this. if you do it this way, you will succeed. If you do it just like this person did, you will find success. Right. Because that's so... You couldn't be further from the truth for most people. We are, we are so unique in how we think and how we interact with the environment around us and the people around us. I just had a great coaching conversation this week with uh, somebody who has Achiever as number 34, last strength on his list, right? Mm. He doesn't, um, he's not motivated by crossing things off the list, right? Well, what are we told oftentimes in the workplace? Just make a list mm -hmm. and work through and it'll keep you motivated and on task and ready to go. Crossing things off the list is not a motivator for him. So he can just beat his head against the wall all day trying to get things accomplished and move forward in his role the way that everybody else does. Maybe hit mild success, maybe, <laughs> but he's going to hate it right. because he's going against he's his going own brain. He's kind of going through the motions, right? It's totally going through the motions. If you're trying to follow what somebody else is doing, it's not who you are. It's not. Yeah. But if you look at... Are there things he has to do in his job? Does he have to cross things off the list? Of course, right. right? So we look then at what his actual strengths are, what his talents are. Well, maybe he has, um, he was high in relational strengths. So he had Relator as, a really, as one of his top. Relators find a ton of energy and value in having really authentic connections with a small group of people, right? So what motivates him? sitting down for 45 minutes with a colleague he has a good relationship with and really connecting about what needs to be done that day. Like really having that in-depth moment with that person on, I'm struggling with this, I'm struggling with this too. Maybe we can attack a couple of these two things together. And all of a sudden, he feels, he's done with that conversation and feels this huge energy boost for himself, right? He has some accountability with this person. Now it's not just, I'm going to get it done because I need to cross it off the list, but I'm going to get it done because my really good colleague that I have a relationship with is encouraging me, like wants to walk this road with me. So somebody who's a relator is, doesn't get an energy from the list, they get energy from the person. Mm -hmm. And so as we're kind of thinking about how we shape our role, then if it kind of helps to know the how to know how I need to shape my role. And you just said something really interesting is, is where I get energy from. Right. right. That's the excitement and the interest. And that's when it starts to feel natural and you start to feel like you're in a zone mm -hmm. is you get the energy from doing things that kind of fall in your strengths. Your passion is the what, your strengths, your shape is the how. So that's- It is. This has been kind of turned, as we were talking about this earlier and kind of figuring this out, that, that really got me, that how and the what. Yeah. It just makes a lot of sense and I think it's, super clear and easy to follow that I don't need to follow somebody's footsteps. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something weird that doesn't motivate me. Okay. Um, everybody else in the world, we're, it's supposed to be motivated by, I am, I am not motivated by goals. All I am right. not a goal person. I don't know why, but, <laughs> but since I was in high school, mm. you're always supposed to set goals, set right. your goal for the year, set your, I just don't care. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, but I don't care, but I am motivated by uh, thinking about other 
thinking about how to connect other people in the sense that they've got this cloudy issue and I want to help them figure out how to how to solve that and bring clarity to it. Right. Uh, maybe that's why this how and the what's so interesting to me. Yeah. Because we took this cloudy thing and made it super clear. That's fascinating to me and that motivates the heck out of me. It gives me energy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a monster drink before we started this. So <laughs> now you're all jacked I'm up. all buzzed, not <laughs> off of caffeine, but off of uh, just a conversation. Yeah. About, yeah. It's kind of freeing to me, I think, um, because a lot of people will, uh, and I get this from, from business leaders too, uh, like leadership in an organization that, well, we, we can't afford to go through and change everybody's job description to make it more passionate for right. them, you know, right. like create more opportunities for them to love what they do. You don't have to do that. You know, I think um, sometimes if, if you feel like you have some space to be able to make some adjustments for somebody to give them more opportunities to use their talent where they're not necessarily, mm -hmm. awesome. But it's not a necessity. It's not, you know, you don't, you don't have to completely change somebody's job description to help them find those pockets of passion or opportunities to be able to use their talent. Why are strengths relevant to success? Well, I think um, success to me isn't, uh, it's not a ladder, right? And uh, I, for some people, success might look like a CFO or a CEO role, but a title. title, right? Or pay or status in an organization or an industry. But I just don't feel like it is absolutely we're an achieving society, yeah. right? We judge people and ask people about what degrees do you have? How many houses do you have? How many kids? We are 100% achievement focused. And that bleeds over into, I think, how we interpret success. But that's not everybody's going to be a CEO, nor should everybody be a CEO. You know, that's there. We have different skill sets. And I think success is more determined by your fulfillment in what you're doing. Right. And strengths are an absolute integral part of fulfillment in your role. You, they're as natural to us and as close to us as the end of our nose. We don't even realize that's how we interact with others or that that's what we need. Okay, so you're just talking about the strengths are almost at, like, you know, they're, they're almost so close, it's hard to figure out what they are. Mm -hmm. How, um, where do the strengths come from? I mean, how does somebody get strengths? So, and, and uh, does everybody have strengths? Because everybody's got the joke, well, I don't have any <laughs> strengths, right? Does everybody have strengths? So many people give me that joke, right? <laughs> I'm sure if I take this, you'll see that I have no strengths, right? right? Everybody has talent. Um, they, there's no hard science to the where they come from. What I have found, though, through conversations with folks is that um, I think our strengths really start to solidify in our formative years, that like five through ten. Mm. And um, by experiences that we've had, if you think back sometimes, some people have to think back a little further than others. But if you think back to that five through ten, twelve zone, there are some memories that stick with us sometimes that we don't mm. know why. You know, like we think back and I just remember that one time I was called out in class and it's just like, ugh. some of those, yeah. every time I can trace back to like, if you look at your strengths, you can see where some developed in some of those really poignant moments. So do you get people on the couch and do that or? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's, you got to want to go there to figure some of that stuff out, but you don't have to. I think um, we emulate some strengths from parents or family members who were mm. in the house that we grew up with. Um, so it's a combination. And then some are just part of your, how your brain formed, wow. given to you, like just uniquely to you that are different from any member of your family.
So how, so what's the process for figuring out what are my strengths? How do you identify them? So um, I'm the biggest fan of Gallup's Clifton Strengths Assessment. Um, I have really been involved with a couple of different assessments in the past of identifying either talent or personality types, things like that. Um, Myers-Briggs and DISC and Colby. And so there's, and they're all wonderful. They're great. Um, I really gravitated towards the Clifton Strengths Assessment. I, I feel like it um, was had the most depth uh, okay. and the most usability. You know, like you can really intentionally so people develop can your take an inventory they can ask them questions about their preferences and that kind of thing they do it's like about 45 minutes or so to take okay um and it will identify uh your range of talent so what's mm. super strong for you and some blind spots for you down at the bottom that just aren't sources of talent which is really helpful because then you can start to figure out am i do I keep trying to operate out of some of these areas down here that are not motivators for me just because everyone says I'm supposed to? Supposed to? And That's how do you drop that yeah. and start to change your mindset and use your actual talent so that you get more fulfillment out of what you're doing? So earlier when we were talking, you said that um, uh, before we, we got on camera, you, you were talking about CFOs love to get their top five, but they really want to know their blind spots. Always. So what do they do with the blind spots? <laughs> so... The blind spot's an interesting conversation. Um, those aren't gonna change. Right. So, and that's tough for a lot of people who are growth mindset minded, like just very, I can develop it, I can, you can't actually. Those areas down there that are that are the lowest in that strengths assessment that are those blind spots, they just are, they're, yeah. not, they're not there. They don't necessarily work against you, but they're just areas where your so, brain isn't gonna so go So what first. do people do to overcome them? If you're a CFO, what's, you surround yourself with people who are talented in those areas. Okay. And okay. to me, that's where the sweet spot of this strengths assessment makes a gigantic difference for organizations mm -hmm. because you're no longer um, trying to make sure that everybody has every strength, right? It's not going to happen. Um, instead, you're capitalizing on and focusing on the talent that each person has and looking at the team all around, you know, are there some blind spots that we could hire for? Are there some strengths that we don't have represented in the organization that would be great to find okay. to bring in um, so that everyone can stay in their super passionate, really engaged area using their talents? So if I'm an organization, I'd be interested in finding out the strengths just to know where everybody sits. Do I, where do I have blind spots as an organization that I need to fill in? Mm -hmm. um, if I've got a special process or whatever it is, I need to support that with people who have that strength. How else? You know, so, so you took our small group through, at work through uh, this group exercise recently where you combined everybody into one chart. Right. And we saw as a group, how do we fit in? Um, and it turned out a lot of people were, were kind of in a, a similar path, but then you had a few people, small number, that were outliers. Right. And the what actually happens in practice is that we do rely on each other. Mm -hmm. So as we go through our process at work, the people that had this kind of narrow thing, they were responsible for part of it, and then it comes to me, and I had a totally different set of strengths. Right. But, but my part in that process fit that really well, and then it goes back to them. So anyway, it's just kind of interesting to see. So how do you, how do you kind of see that playing out with groups? I think um, for an organization, you're yes, you're talking about the... Uh, the passion level and the excitement level for your individual employees. But overall, you're talking about a major shift for 
the organization, for your bottom line even, right? Because now you have people that are highly engaged, they're more motivated, they're more interested in doing a better job because they get to use more of their talent. So um, I do a lot of coaching with groups, um, figuring out maybe flow of a team. So somewhat similar to what we were talking about mm -hmm. before. Um, recently I had a conversation uh, with a group about, they had to, they went to a yearly conference, um, which has obviously been put on hold a little bit right. the last 12 months. But, um, <laughs> Thank you, COVID. <laughs> yeah, but they use that conference as a big uh, marketing push. So they interact gotcha. with potential clients. Well, there's a strength called WOO. <clears throat> uh, it stands for winning others over. And it's a strength that gets the most energy enjoyment out of meeting new people, making new connections with mm -hmm. folks. Which conference seems perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So when we were going over and looking at how they make decisions on who they send to this conference, the past couple of years had not sent a single person. No woos? With WOO. Yeah. It's a strength. <laughs> and what happens, right? They send whoever they send to the conference, can they do the job? Can they make connections? Yes, mm -hmm. right? Are they beyond exhausted at the end? Yes. They are- That's me. Dying, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? end of the conference, I'm exhausted. Can't do it. Right. Whereas now they're sending some woos to the conference, right? To be the front of their booth, to be the first one to interact with folks. Gotcha. The woos are more energized at the end they're of the day. They're jacked up at the end of the day yeah, and they're ready to go party. The, day, yeah. the more people they can interact <laughs> with, it's new, the better. I can name some. Yeah, that's and funny. now you're playing to the talent of those people. Their performance, just by the nature of the environment and situation, will be stronger than the folks that don't have woo that are there. That's right? interesting. That seems almost like a, like a, like a cost saver because... You know, people are are temporarily motivated by money. Mm -hmm. Getting a bonus, getting a raise is great. Mm -hmm. It's a temporary motivation. But they're permanently motivated by energy. Yes. If you've got them in the right role and they feel good about it, and that energy kind of, you know, if you're getting it at work and you're feeling good about it, it kind of spills over into your home life and your oh, friendships. Yeah. And it just kind of makes everything better. And it's free. I need to promote you that way. You do. You're a money saver. I'm a money saver. Okay. All right. So... How does somebody, when, they, when you first tell them about their strengths, we've done that a few times mm -hmm. on a leadership show, how do, they, how do you see them react when they're finding out about their, their top five strengths, top 10 strengths? It's a combination. 98% um, of the time, there's no surprises. So they'll read through that and go, oh my gosh, that's definitely me. Um, I will often get called some sort of creepy mind reader or <laughs> like some witch doctor. Yeah. <laughs> getting in there like, how did you know this about me? You know? Yeah. Um, because accuracy is just ridiculous. Uh, so, but I think my most favorite reaction that that is the most common is validation. Yeah. So, you know, for and I, there have been multiple times, and I'm certainly not trying to, but there have been multiple times that uh, there have been tears with people who are sitting down and talking to me about their strengths uh, assessment for the first time because they've never been told that there was something right with them. Right. Especially, you know, there's some talent. That this is on okay. There. Right. That it's you don't have to be the okay. checklist person or the goal person or the follow this other way this other person did it. It's okay to do it the way you are. And it's not even just okay. Like, yeah. you're amazing. Yeah. You should be doing this way. Nobody's going to bring to the table what you do. Oh, that's cool. And there, um, you know, some strengths, if they've been around folks who've misunderstood what that talent looks like, you know, because maybe they don't have it. So they think that something's wrong with you because you don't do a list like right. I do. 
and that person sits there and all their professional life has just continued to hear there's something wrong with you. You can't do it right. You're not motivated by lists and that's a problem. And maybe sitting down, this is the first time somebody said, no, there's a lot right with you. Right. That's not a the lot. problem. Yeah, it's not a problem. It's not a yeah. problem at all. We yeah. maybe need to figure out what motivates you in getting things done. Right. But there's a way to do that. And you can get more fulfillment by doing it the way that you're supposed to. So That's cool. The validation's a big deal. Okay. So how, if somebody's watching today um, and they want to find out what their strengths are, what's, what's the process for doing that? How would they do that? The quickest way, I think, would be to hop on my site. So we're going to put the link in the comments mm -hmm. of the video. Um, it's begintoflourish.com. And you can shoot me a little message right there. Uh, and I can get you hooked up with an assessment to take. Um, we can create an opportunity to get together virtually or wherever you are. Um, I travel to yeah. sit down and go over those results with you to talk about um, if you're in a position to want to integrate that into your business, what that would look like. Um, or a small team, mm -hmm. you know, or just your own individual coaching. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to really start to get into the process of focusing on your strengths and your talent. Yeah. Um, but that's the fastest way. Just hop to my site. I've got a couple of videos on there that will showcase um, what it looks like, like what strengths coaching looks like, um, and some testimonials of people who've gone through nice. it to say like, hey, I think this is, you know, I really enjoyed it. I got this from it. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Heidi, you've been awesome as always. Yeah. Every time that uh, that we got to have you involved, I always feel great about kind of what people are learning and, and what I'm learning along the way. So thank you very much for yeah, your time. Thanks. Excited to have you here. I love, love it. having you a part of this. And, and I would just encourage everybody to click on the link in the comments. And uh, if you have any comments of your own or questions on your own, please include them in the comments. And, and uh, that's a wrap for us here. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks.